Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited. It's going to just great atmosphere in here tonight. If you're brand new to our church, I just want to say welcome. We really are. Um, we're all kind of in awe of what God has done the last four years. Uh, God has outdone himself. We knew that he was going to do something special. I did not sell my boat in Idaho for no reason. I miss that boat. Come on. I miss going to the lake. I miss, I miss getting sunburned in the mountains. Uh, but I'm telling you, when we sold everything, we liquidated our dream house on the golf course in Eagle, Idaho. And we lived in a neighborhood that everybody wanted to live in. And we sold that house, and I got rid of my cars, and we liquidated everything. And pretty much um, we bankrolled the entire church the first year. And we were volunteers like the rest of the church for the first 11 months. I was the first hire. Come on. 11 months into the church. But we gave everything to move here. And uh, so I was like, Lord, if I'm selling my boat, this better go well. And I knew it was going to go well, but it's gone better than I thought it would go, faster than I thought it would go. And I'm just telling you, I'm still a little bit in disbelief that our four-year-old, barely four-year-old church that no one has ever heard of before is number two on the charts right now still. Over 24 hours. We're beating Chris Tomlin right now. Like, how do you beat Chris Tomlin? It's crazy. Still in shock. But God's doing, I mean, only God. I'm getting text messages from all over the world like, Dude, what is going on with your church? How are you guys beating Chris Tomlin? And so uh, I'm telling you, man, God is in the miracle business. And I, I really do believe, I could even prophesy in this atmosphere, that this is the beginning of a great groundswell. We're going to see over the next 12 months. God told me about a week and a half ago, he said, Mark, I'm going to do more in the next 12 months than I did in the first three years. And... Um, there's going to be an acceleration. People are going to be in the move here from all over the country. They're going to hear about a church that's taken back the state. And um, come on, do you believe that? Feel something in here tonight. Who's, who really believes that God's going to do something great? Fill in the atmosphere. But I'm really, I'm excited. I'm full of faith and expectation for what God is going to do. Uh, I want to thank, we have a lot of pastors that have been coming in the last couple of nights. And I have a friend that, friend of ours we've known for years. He was a great youth pastor in the Northwest. He pastors a phenomenal church in Northridge, California, just north of uh, where we're at in LA. But my friend Wes Dunn is here. Wes and Vanessa are some dear friends of ours. Thanks for driving down, Wes. He said he drove by a gun standoff on the freeway uh, with cop cars. He said, but as soon as he drove over the Orange County line, there was open heavens. So, Lord, help L.A. County. But, uh, man, I'm excited. Uh, if you're new tonight, uh, you know, our story is we, we had a good life in Idaho, and God told us that there was going to be a, I don't know if he's going to come back in my lifetime or your lifetime, but I do believe that what we give our lives to now could actually last until he returns. And I don't know if he's going to come back and Ocean's Church will be led by us at that point. But I do believe that this church will be going strong <clears throat> when Jesus returns. You believe that? And there's a great, a great stirring in the atmosphere. And there's a great expectation in the state. 
And honestly, I think in many ways, the adversity of California, even politically, the madness in our politics, the madness in our broken education system, in many ways is the uh, resistance headwinds that causes the plane to take off. I think in many ways, the, the fact that California was as hostile as it was, it caused the church to get a backbone in states and other parts of the nation that just complied with whatever the government said. And I really feel like this is an era and time in history that it's time for God's people to be bold, to be courageous, to be strong. Do you really believe that? Give me a hand clap if you believe that. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm not going to preach long because my voice won't last. I'm going through my second puberty, uh, 38. And uh, no, I've been fighting this little like whatever thing in my throat the last couple of days. But if you have your Bible, turn me to Acts chapter 5. Um, I don't know. I just heard the Lord saying this next 12 months, if I could give you a prophetic message tonight. I heard the Lord saying this, and I want you to take this, write this title down exceeded expectations exceeded expectations I believe that when we give our hearts fully to God it doesn't mean that we have a problem free life but it does mean that we have a God that goes with us regardless of what's ahead and I, I really feel strong that we're going to see in the next 12 months God exceed even our wildest expectations there's that famous tattoo that most of your friends have Ephesians 3.20 now to him come on help me preach tonight who is able to do exceedingly Ricola. Um, I'm excited man that's who God is so tonight uh, if you have your Bibles Acts chapter 5 I love I love the book of Acts I, I would say it's one of the most important books of the entire Bible. I know the whole Bible is inspired cover to cover, all 66 books. But I would, I would bring your attention to, we'd have no idea what Christianity looked like in the real world without the book of Acts. We would have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. we jump straight to Romans. And we'd go, what does Christianity look like in the world after the resurrection? And we see the origins of Christianity in the church being birthed, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 5 is one of those crazy, crazy chapters. Most, uh, I would say most, <clears throat> some preachers don't like to talk about. Because it, it talks about God's glory was so strong. It's almost like the more electricity that flows through the lines, the more you have to respect it. And the early church had such glory flowing through their services and their prayer meetings that there was two people, Ananias and Sapphira, that tried to test, tried to grab the line and think that they could survive. And they went Jurassic Park 1, come on. Flew off the fence. <clears throat> Didn't make it. And in the, in the wake of two men, a man and a woman that lied to the Holy Spirit and died, so much glory, you couldn't cross the lines. And I believe that in the end days, the, the stronger God's glory shows up, the more casual Christianity no longer has a place in the world. 
when when the glory shows up we can't be casual cavalier sunday christians there becomes this reverence this respect this wholehearted devotion and it's crazy because right after these two get zapped saying that in the kindest way i can right afterwards it says in verse 12 and through the hands of the apostles many signs how many i love it doesn't say like one or two miracles looks like there was many many signs many wonders were done among the people where among the people what does god love god loves people and there were they were all in one honda civic i'm sorry i can never get around that one accord without using that joke they were all in one accord there was unity in solomon's porch yet none of the rest dared to join them but the people uh in the people uh, esteemed them highly and the believers were increasingly added to the lord multitudes both of men and women say with me growth and they brought the sick out into the streets they laid them on beds and couches i want you to contextualize this passage sometimes we don't read it we don't realize how audacious that is but they're literally getting sick people out of their homes out of their apartments out of their condos pulling them out on stretchers setting them on bed mattresses and couches in the streets and it says why because they they, that that at least the shadow of peter passing by might fall on some of them also a multitude gathered surrounding from the surrounding cities to jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and it says and they were all healed how many I believe a glory-filled church is a church that we see a high percentage of people get healed. And I believe that where we're going in the future, we're going to see people come to these tents, come into our buildings, that doctors say there's no hope for you. And they're going to have documented miracles. All were healed. Do you believe that tonight? Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We love you, Holy Spirit. Pray you help my puberty voice tonight. And I just ask you that, Lord, you would come with signs and wonders and miracles. I just thank you that you come here, you come now. Start with us. God, we need you tonight. We declare in Jesus' name that, God, from our music, you've exceeded our expectations. God, with the last four years of our story, you've exceeded our expectations how you've touched our families and our lives, you've exceeded our expectations. So I'm asking the next 12 months, 12 years, the next 12 decades, God, would you exceed our expectations? We love you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Ooh, that was hot. (laughs) Who's ever burned your, your taste buds before? 
I'll be tasting something again like next month. <laughs> Baptize my Bible. We're off to a good start. You just got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, you know? I, uh, I don't have a full voice tonight, so I'm not going to be able to be as animated. I won't juggle as many knives as usual or fire. Um, but I wanted to say, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to say there's been moments in my life that I've uh, been severely disappointed with the lack of uh, what my expectation thought it would be, be like. And uh, I'm going to tell a couple jokes right now. You better stop. Is that right? Just give me, give me a sec. I'm going to tell a couple jokes and I'll have you come back. They're going to think I'm serious if I keep you keep playing. So this is my joke part of the message. Give Ben a hand clap. I love you. Stay right there. You can stay there. Just hang on just a second. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Ben's a man of God. He's single, ladies. From Florida. Um, you know, I was thinking, uh, there's moments in life that, again, your expectations are here. And you almost leave disappointed because you, uh, your expectations were not met in any way. Uh, I could give a lot of illustrations about this. Um, I, I have one area in, in particular I've been thinking about a lot lately that really drives me crazy. And it's the lack of standardization with uh, debit card machines. Can we all agree on this? Uh, it drives me bananas that some are insert your cart, some are leave your cart in, some are pull your cart out right away. If you don't pull it out right away, you got to do it all over again. Sometimes it's swipe. Sometimes it's censored. And then there's that demonic moment at the gas station that says, please see cashier. Not today, Satan. Not today. I will drive to another city before I walk inside of that gas station, talk to a cashier. Not today. There's just, it just drives me bananas. I think there needs to be a uniform standardization that it's like, look, we're all putting it in, leaving the card in, or we're all just going to swipe the card, or it's going to be sensors across the board. Come on. But it just drives me crazy. Just, it, it, it's, a, it's a lack. There's just something about it that when I have an expectation to get in, get out, fill up, leave, and you see that, please see cashier. I'm like, it's not that saved yet, you know? Start feeling this righteous indignation inside of me like, we're in 2022. We've been to the moon. Maybe. <laughs> All these conspiracies are coming true these days. So I'm like, oh, maybe we haven't been to the moon yet. I'm just... Don't come on. It's, it's, it's Saturday night. We're having a good time. It's not Sunday morning. We can, we can let it fly a little bit more than normal. But I was thinking about, you know, unmet expectations. And uh, I think there's nothing more frustrating in life when you have an expectation that's here and you find something below it. And I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. So a big part of being a youth pastor is uh, basically uh, bandaging the wounds of young relationships. Pretty much, if you preached on dating and sex every week, you'd have the biggest youth ministry in America. It's all young people want to hear about. It's like, well, how, how do you date? And like, how do you find the one? And like, I just want to know what God has for me. And so a big part of our ministry was like navigating and kind of like nurturing kids. Like, hey, 
I used to always say this phrase. I'm like, look, if you like the girl here, God's not going to bring someone into your life that's here. He doesn't work like that. And God doesn't take a job out of your life that's here. And you serve him and he gives you a job that's here. He's never been a God that goes under your expectations. He's always the God that exceeds your expectations. Has anybody found that to be true? We tell him that all the time. He's an he's a ex, a expectation exceeding God. He's the God that goes exceedingly, abundantly, above. Doesn't say mediocrity, a little bit beneath. It says exceedingly, abundantly, above. And I really feel like this year we're getting ready to enter into is God's, I think, almost recalibrating the expectation of the church. I think that what God wants all of us to collectively do is go, what is our expectation for where we're going as a church? What is the expectation? And what I love about the Bible is it reveals to us what the expectation was of the early church. Pretty wild. Some of the stuff they expected. You would not get your sick cousin out of their, their condo and bring them into a street at the hopes of someone's shadow touching them. Unless you had a high conviction that there was something potentially that could happen if you would just put in the effort. There was an expectation. Or hear me today. Say with me, expectation. The early church had a pretty wild expectation. Like Peter and John, they he like looked at like look look at me, look at me. I don't have money, but what I do have, I give you. And he knew that he had something inside of him. wasn't money, wasn't material, but the power of God. And his expectation was, as he said, "Rise up and walk." I believe that Peter saw this this blind beggar on the corner of the gate, beautiful. He saw this guy getting healed, and he had an expectation. I think many times in the church, we live with zero expectation. I think if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And I'll be honest, I think all of the good things that God has for us, I think it lands on our lives. But many of the great promises we have to contend for. I think God gives us what we need to survive. But I think some of the greatest promises of heaven are the things that we have to contend for. Say with me, expectations. I believe that we're entering into a year, a season, a prophetic moment in our church's history that God wants us to elevate our expectations. What did the early church expect? Well, I think the first thing that was pretty clear as we read Acts chapter 5 is they expected signs and wonders. It's going to get quiet in the Presbyterian church for a second. But the early church had a high-level expectation that what Jesus did before he was crucified, we're going to do it now that he's not here. Peter, James, John, Barnabas, Paul, these guys all had a deep conviction that we're going to pray for people and they're going to get healed. That we're going to see signs. We're going to see wonders. Say it with me, signs. This is a misnomer because we see charismania. We see Pentecostal churches. And we think signs are these kind of scary, like, you know, it's that crazy lady with a shofar. Owns way too many banners. Come on, I'm offending some people already. God bless you. We think of signs and wonders churches as kind of these like just these almost eccentric gatherings. But say it with me, signs. Big thing that I know about signs is signs were never supposed to be worshipped. We don't worship signs. We don't. 
And some people in the body of Christ that believe in miracles, they go after miracles so much so that they almost focus more on the signs than they do on where the signs point. I would like to remind you that signs are not where we go in the case of an emergency. The exit sign is not where we jump into when the fire's on, when the building's on fire. That exit sign, it tells you what direction to go. And I believe that when God manifests his glory and his presence in the world through the power of Jesus Christ's name, it's not the miracle isn't, look, these people in the early church never expected to live forever. They knew that God would heal them, and then one day they would still die. It wasn't about this divinity, this, like, immortal, immortal life. It was this idea that God was going to do something here and now that would change my life on earth that would point me to something that's eternal. It's a sign. When the doctor says you can't live any longer and the God heals you, it's a sign. It's saying there is a here, there is an after, and that you can get a dose of heaven here on earth. Say it with me, signs. I believe that we got to enter into a season that we elevate our expectation, that we're going to see signs and we're going to see wonders every time we gather. Whether it's at our living room, whether it's at a baseball game, whether we're at, or hear me today, at a, at a small group, whether it's a church service, a conference, say it with me, signs. I believe that God wants to do more than we expect him for. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, Mark, there was prayers that I was looking to answer. I believe that when the church fails to pray, we have angels that are unemployed. I don't want there to be unemployed angels because it says it is the prayers of the saints that send the ministers of angels into the earth. And I want us to be a church that has high level expectations that God is going to do signs and he's going to do wonders. It gets quiet. I feel like 50% hand clap. It signifies kind of where we're at with this idea. Well, what if God doesn't heal people, Mark? What if we get obsessed with signs and wonders? We're not going to get obsessed with it. We don't chase signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. We're going to believe and signs and wonders are going to follow us. Amen? We're not going to drive 800 miles for a gold filling meeting to find some feathers. Come on. We're going to meet every Sunday at the church and we're going to believe and signs and wonders are going to follow us. So I think the first thing that God, I heard the Lord just saying out of this, out of this passage is Mark, tell the church to get ready to exceed their expectations with signs and with wonders. I think the second area we're going to see is God's going to exceed our expectations when it comes to unity. I would tell you that really unity in the Bible, there's nowhere in the, there's nowhere in the Bible that says to create unity. There's no passages on, hey, build and manufacture unity. Unity is not created, it's guarded. It says to maintain unity. And I think that one of the things it says, they were all in one accord. Acts 2, they were all in one accord. And we know this, that wherever the, the early church was gathered in unity, God always commanded a great blessing. Psalms 133 states that when the people of God are in unity, God has to command a blessing. Why is the music doing so well right now? Because Ocean's Church is in one accord. I would say we're in two or three accords right now. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of people packing in that vehicle right now. But I do believe that we're seeing a, a move of God because there is a collective faith that's unified. If we're going to see God exceed our expectations, we'd have a couple things. We have to have a high level of expectancy for signs and wonders. 
and we have to have a high, um, I should say maybe this way, we got to be ruthless with anything that causes disunity. We got to be ruthless with it. I would tell you that, man, no, no one can screw up our church outside of it. Disasters, I've, I have found that some of the greatest churches in the world have never been destroyed from without. They've always imploded from within. Great movements of God usually have never died by murder. They've always died by suicide. I don't want us to be a church that dies like this. Can I get a good amen? We want to make sure that we guard the unity. That we're going to contend, that we're not going to speak ill of each other, that we're going to talk good behind each other's backs. Come on, can I get a good amen? We're in Orange County. We like those little itchy ears, and we like to hear the latest gossip. But come on, in the church, we're going to, we're going to guard one another. We're going to speak blessing to one another. We're going to fill the gaps with trust and not with suspicion. There's always gaps in life. There's gaps in what you do know and what you don't know. There's gaps in what you do see and what you don't see. And when you have a gap of what you don't understand, before you judge somebody, fill it with trust, not with suspicion. Amen? I think it's so important. I've seen churches that have been divided because they stop fighting for unity. We got to guard the unity of our church. Amen? We're going to see God exceed our expectations because we're going to have a church that honors. It says they highly esteemed. They highly, verse, I think it's verse 16, they highly esteemed the apostles. And I believe that honor is a big deal in the kingdom of God. Problem is we're in America and we don't do good with honor. We get weirded out. We see people opening their car doors for their spouses. We're like, it's either a new car or it's a new spouse probably. We don't, we don't do a good job honoring. We think it's weird when people get up. I mean, even in our, our church, like some of you are weirded out that Joel's like, hey, let's clap for Mark and Rashawn. I didn't ask him to do that. It was very kind of him. That was a great offering message, by the way. I gave more money than I was planning on giving tonight, Joel. Thanks, bro. We're not eating for a couple weeks, but that's good. Um, but no, I, I, Joel honored us. And sometimes you go to church like, why we shouldn't clap for anybody. We only worship Jesus. Yeah, we only worship Jesus, but we honor each other. And America is so honor deficient. We dishonor our political leaders. We dishonor our, our, our state leaders, our, our law enforcement. It's almost like in the day in which we live in, this like virtue signaling of talking bad about people is almost a virtue. That the more of a victim I am, the more virtuous I am. And I want to encourage you, that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. Do you know that honor is what unlocks the impossible? And I believe many churches don't see miracles because they don't know how to guard honor. What do you honor, Mark? We honor the spirit, the spirit of Jesus. We honor the scriptures. We honor the flow of God's presence. Are you hearing me today? And where there is a body of people that know how to honor the presence of God well, and they honor the Bible, even when it's not culturally trendy or popular, and we say, we're going to stand on this book, even if it, even if it ruffles some feathers. We're going to stand on this thing. Even if we lose some people in the church, we're going to stand on this thing. If I wanted to make everybody happy, I would have gone into the ice cream business. Come on. We're building a church here. We're standing on God's words. But we're going to be those that contend. And we're going to build an environment of honor. You know, Jesus said that a prophet is not without honor. Unless he's in his hometown amongst his own relatives. 
Mark, it's pow- powerful passage, Mark 6, says that Jesus could not do any mighty miracles. That verse is one of the scariest verses in the New Testament. Jesus, listen to me, could not. It didn't say he didn't want to. It didn't say he was having an off day. He was God, fully God and fully man. But it says that he could not do any mighty miracles because they had no honor for him. I believe the Jesus we honor is the Jesus we get. And if you honor a Jesus that's only big enough to get you to heaven, that's the Jesus that you'll get. And if you honor a Jesus that's only big enough to forgive you of your sins, that's the Jesus that you'll get. But if you honor the Jesus that'll fill you with his spirit and revive you out of your brokenness and renew your mind and restore your life and fill you with glory and power, signs and wonders, this is the Jesus that we get. Well, pastor, my old church said there wasn't miracles anymore. My old church said that God can't use women in ministry. My old church said, my old church said, and I'm like, yeah, your old church got exactly what they preached. They said there's no miracles anymore. Exactly. Not in that church. Because the Jesus you honor is the Jesus you get. And at Ocean's Church, you hear me loud and clear. We're going to honor the power of Jesus in this church. We're going to honor the spirit of Jesus in this church. We're going to honor the fact that he still does signs, wonders, miracles. Yeah, yeah, I feel something in here tonight. This is the God that we get. He'll exceed our expectations. Grab a seat. I'm almost, almost finished is I believe that we'll see an exceeded expectation. The early church, you know what their expectation was? This thing's gonna grow. They had an expectation that people are gonna wanna be a part of this. How do we know? Do you know that in, in Acts 5, I think it's verse 16, 15, it says that people from the surrounding regions begin to come into Jerusalem. Do you know this is the very first time in the history of the early church that people from outside of Jerusalem were impacted with this message. Something was happening after Ananias and Sapphira got zapped. That a reverence, a fear, a signs, a wonder, a unity, and honor caused people to start flooding into the city to experience what their other friends had experienced. Stories begin to circulate about their friends in Jerusalem that got healed. Shadow passed by me and it healed me. So my cousin from Corona, he drove to Orange County because, because his cousin got healed at Ocean's Church. You see, when God begins to move in a glorious way, surrounding regions will begin to come in to participate of it. And I believe that's one of the things we're going to see here. Next 12 months, we're going to see people driving. Right now, we have people that drive from Palm Springs. People that drive from almost Santa Barbara. Camarillo, is that what it's called? Camarillo, San Diego. Why would they drive? I don't know. That's, that's, not, that's on them. I'm sure there's other good, good churches in their cities. But they have a conviction that this is my home. Even a night, Sonia that was doing our announcement, she drives every week with her family. Downey. Downy. That's way downy. Like, that's way downy there. Downy there. Uh, I had a. It's funnier in my head. 
What did you know about early Christians, Mark? I knew this. They had such a high level of expectation. They were willing to interrupt their friends and their family to bring them into a street. That doesn't tell you the level of hunger the early Christians had. I don't know what does. Can you imagine? Rochelle, go get the couch. Have Micah and Joel bring our couch to the street. So Joel and Micah are bringing our couch, locating it in the street. And then me, Micah, and Joel are carrying our sick relative from our house to the couch. Again, I'm trying to make this real for us. This is inconvenient. This is a little bit of effort. I'll be honest, if God is in the miracle business, this is weird. If it was nowadays, they'd be like mistreated sick people being shuttled out of their hospital beds into unsanitary conditions on the street. Lawsuits coming. But in Bible days, there was such a hunger in the church. Acts 19.11 says that handkerchiefs and aprons from Paul's body were healing those. It says in, it says in Acts 5 that the shadow of Peter. I want to remind you, I, I don't think it was the shadow. I don't think it was Matthew, you know, uh, when it says that the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of Jesus' garment. I don't think it was the, the, the it wasn't, it wasn't, maybe the, it wasn't the, the, the garment that she touched. It wasn't the shadow that touched them. It wasn't the aprons and the handkerchiefs, I think that those things were the point of contact of where their expectation in their mind collided with where God could meet them. Come on. And that's all, that's all faith is. Faith is finding a point of contact. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she spoke to herself if i could just touch that i know that something will happen these people in the early church they go if we could just get our loved ones in the streets under the shadow of peter that'll be the point of contact if we could just get paul's handkerchief of all the things to give somebody handkerchief i think it's kind of an odd it's it it noble but it was kind of an odd tradition that you blow your nose in something and just kind of keep recycling it back into your jacket and you would lend it to your friends. Paul's like, oh, I got something to carry. <laughs> you got a sick cousin? All right, hey, grab this. <laughs> Take this. But you know what this was? It was a point of contact. And I believe at Ocean's Church, we're gonna have a point of contact. That as we worship, as we praise, people are going to be healed, point of contact. As we preach, as we prophesy, point of contact. As we pray, as we intercede, point of contact. You feel something stirring in here? Come on, give me 10 seconds of hand clap. I feel a point of contact coming to this region. I feel it in this place. We're going to see people brought out to the streets. There's going to be a regional influence. People that are sick, tormented, broken in their bodies. God's going to bring a point of contact. And I feel even right now a point of contact in these tents. This is, this is a holy moment. I want everyone to stand your feet. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that right now this will be a point of contact. I believe that you're exceeding our expectations. Even right now, there's going to be signs and wonders. 
Come on, if you believe that God can do signs and wonders, lift your hands. You believe that, that unity is worth fighting for, lift your hands. Come on, if you believe that we're going to be an honoring church, give God a wave offering. Come on, if you believe that God's going to bring, bring, bring people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Come on, give a wave offering here. We're going to see the sick be well. We're going to see those that are tormented be delivered. And we're going to see those that literally from all different parts of this region, God's going to bring them in. And God will exceed our expectations. God's going to give us buildings that we didn't build. He's going to give us properties that we didn't pay for. God's going to give us opportunities that we didn't knock on. God is going to blow our minds. And I declare for you, some of you right now in the here tonight, God is, I believe, this is a point of contact. God is opening up the barren womb. God right now, he's healing cancer. He's, he's healing terminal illness. This is a point of contact right now. Right now. Come on, right now. All over the room, just lift your hands right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you can heal. You can do anything. You can do anything. Come on, you can do anything. If you need a miracle in your body, I'm gonna, we're gonna close like this. This is a miracle service. I'm asking you to get out of your seats. We're gonna flood the front. We're gonna sing one song. I'd ask you not to go home until we finish this up. Give us five minutes. Give us six minutes. But come on, you need a, if you need a breakthrough tonight in your body, in your marriage, in your family, if there's something you're believing God for, come on, let's go after God tonight. This is a point of contact. Come on down to the front, let's sing this. Come on, he's here.
If you know that you need a physical touch in your body, maybe it's a mental touch in your mind, just lift your hands. We're going to pray a quick prayer for you. We're going to onboard a bunch of people that want to put their faith in Jesus. And then we're going to go home and get a solid 10 hours of sleep. So here's what we're going to do. Hands up. Someone's hands up next to you. Just go ahead and find somebody. I'd love some leaders to come to the front here. I'd love to get everybody to get prayed for up here. If you're in the back there, someone's hands up out here. Could you just find someone, put your hand on their shoulder? We're going to agree together that God is a God that as we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. I pray about this time next year, some of you that are trying to get pregnant, be dedicating babies. It's going to be a miracle season. I break off even like a, a season of barrenness. Someone in here, you had a kid like 10 years ago, and you've been trying ever since. And God says, I'm breaking off whatever that hindrance was. And once again, God's going to open up the womb and that God's going to give you your second child. I pray right now all over this tent. We lay hands on those that are sick, that need a touch. And we pray a prayer of faith like this. We say in Jesus' name, we pray you would heal, restore, deliver, and redeem. What the locusts devour, what the enemy took, we declare this is redemption season. Do it faster. Do it better. And we ask you in Jesus' name, you would do it now. Next seven days, they make a full recovery. In Jesus' name, come on, that's Jesus' name, we say amen. Come on, give me a hand clap for that. Someone in here, L4, L5, God's healing vertebrae, healing vertebrae. There's someone in here, you have some sort of like uh, loss of feeling in the back of your calf all the way down to your Achilles. I think it was connected to like an Achilles injury. Uh, maybe even your name's Levi or your middle name's Levi or someone in your family's name Levi. Uh, but I just see God healing your calf and your Achilles. You might not even believe in God tonight, but God's going to heal your calf and he's going to heal your Achilles. He's going to give you feeling back. He wanted me to tell you that if he can restore feeling to your leg, imagine what he could do for your soul. I thank you that, Lord, tonight would be a night that those that have never encountered your glory, your presence. I pray for Stephen and Scott. Yeah, I pray for uh, I pray for Samantha and for uh, Susie. I even pray, Lord, there's like a Melissa in here. This is a season that God's getting ready to redeem. Uh, even like the last 10 years, it's like the enemy's been stealing from you. And this is the beginning of a, a decade of light, of, of, of bright of the glory of God filling your life and evicting that darkness. So I pray right now in Jesus' name all over the room, if you need to get right with God tonight, you're not living for Him. You came tonight, but you came not with Jesus on the throne of your life. And you would say, Mark, I want to give my life all the way to Jesus. I don't want to just be a fan of His. I want to follow Him from this day for the rest of my life. Would you pray for me? that I would rededicate or for the first time put my faith in Jesus. Put your hands down just for a moment. We're going to close like this. And we'll get out of here just a few minutes. But if you're here tonight, you need to get right with God or for the very first time. You say, Mark, I'm feeling something in these tents I've never felt before. If this is Jesus, if this is God, I want more of Him. If this peace I feel right now, if this is God, I want more of God. I want you to pray this prayer. Raise your hand. 
You can raise your hand, actually. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand all over the tents. I'll give you three seconds to raise your hand. But you want to rededicate your life tonight? Or for the first time, put your faith in Jesus. Everybody close your eyes. And go ahead right now. Just start raising your hands. I'll give you three seconds. One, I'm rededicating my life tonight to Jesus. Two, there's more hands going up. I love it. That's me, God. I want you back in on the throne of my life. Three, real high. Real high, real high, real high. I see three hands. Four hands. Anybody else? Five hands. Six hands. Anybody else? Awesome. All right, Oceans. Let's pray with those six people. Say, Jesus, I believe, therefore I confess that you are God. I ask you tonight to be my God, Savior, and best friend from this day forward. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you put my life back together again? And would you direct my steps with you and for you from this day forward? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.